Welcome to Skylights, the podcast of Open Sky Wilderness Therapy. Nestled in the mountains of southwest Colorado and the canyonlands of southeast Utah, Open Sky transcends traditional wilderness therapy by emphasizing treatment for the whole family. Our clinical approach integrates the latest in evidence-based treatments with innovative and research-driven holistic healing practices. On each episode of the Skylights podcast, we speak with experts in the field of wilderness therapy and explore the unique value the outdoors provides on the journey towards wellness, self-discovery, and growth for adolescents, young adults, and their families. To learn more about Open Sky, visit us at openskywilderness.com. Welcome to the podcast. We're glad you're here. We hear a lot of buzz terms today, lawnmower parenting, snowplow parenting, even bubble wrap parenting. At the root of these terms is a common theme of parent-child relationships in which parents are paving the road for their kids and, in many cases, robbing them of the opportunity to cultivate resilience. In this episode of the podcast, clinical therapist Jonathan Mitchell explains how parents can begin to shift out of rescue mode and help their children build self-confidence and learn to thrive. Consistent, calm, insightful, direct, compassionate. These are just a few of the words clients and professionals have used to describe therapist Jonathan Mitchell. He graduated from the University of Wisconsin with a degree in mathematics and physics. Jonathan took to the outdoors and has been outdoors in some way, shape, or form ever since. After working with youth in a variety of settings, he became inspired by the magic of wilderness to motivate change. Jonathan returned to grad school to earn a master's in counseling and a postgraduate certificate in Gestalt therapy. With his buoyant presence and ability to earn respect through his direct approach, Jonathan inspires even the most treatment-resistant boys to get in touch with their true nature and learn to thrive. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to talk with you about this topic of utilizing challenge to cultivate resilience. So when I think about this topic... I'm thinking about the recent college admission scandal where many high-profile parents basically engaged in bribery to ensure their children's acceptance to Mm -hmm. universities. What were your thoughts as you heard about this scandal? This is one of those really dramatic examples of parents um, rescuing, quote-unquote, their kids in ways that are just so destructive, not only to themselves and their families, but to everyone else who fought hard and worked hard to get the kind of opportunities that these parents are trying to gift their kids. But the part that I don't think got talked about a whole lot is the impact on these kids who the parents made the road for the child and cleared the way for them. So regardless of them getting into these prestigious schools or programs, these kids aren't learning a valuable lesson on what it is to work hard and fail and maybe not get into the school of their choice. And it's, and it's brutal to see this happen in such an obvious, flagrant way. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that the, the coverage has been that some of the young people knew and others didn't, but probably on some level, um, even if they weren't directly aware, there probably was some knowing of the parents helping make things happen. What is your experience with that in terms of young people's own internal kind of experience when their parents go to lengths to try to clear the path for them? Yeah, they know that their parents are going to bail them out. 
you know, in situations when they're struggling. A lot of times when um, students come into our program, they the first few letters are the same kind of statements that they've been making towards their parents for a long time, which is, I don't like it here. Take me out of this. And I think a lot of times their parents have indulged in that kind of sentiment and seen their kids struggle and then did everything they could to help them not struggle as opposed to keeping them in the same situation and helping them navigate their feelings and essentially build resilience with it. So we see that play out. And by the time most parents have come to us, they've really realized that they're going to start doing a different thing. So there's some growing pains that are often involved there. And uh, we support the parents in doing that. Yeah, it's such a, a challenging balance because, of course, part of the role of a parent is to protect and to support mm-hmm. and to, absolutely, you know, to to make sure your kid is okay. But then it's also giving them enough kind of birth to experience life and challenges to be mm-hmm. able to build those skills of of resilience and being able to handle challenges right. in life because exactly. life is full of challenges. Exactly. Yeah. We hear a lot of buzzwords today, you know, that speak to this around. Um, what are some of them? Lawnmower parents, snowplow parents. I like that that image of just the snowplow mm-hmm. coming through and mm-hmm. clearing everything. Yep. Um, I know you talked about bubble wrap in the uh-huh. past. Yep. At the root of these terms, what are some of the common themes that these that these um, metaphors are capturing? Well, it's it's like the these parents that I know are so well meaning, and a lot of times their kids are struggling so much to a degree that they're not getting out of their rooms to go to school. They are petrified to talk to other people, to have friends. So I don't want to, and, and sometimes the media does this where it really paints these kinds of parents in a really negative light. And I know firsthand or secondhand what it is like, the kind of struggles that these parents face with their kids. Cause it's not always, um, you know, the dramatic examples of, you know, someone um, falls down and skins their knee and their mother scoops them up and, you know, dotes upon them in a way that they infantilizes them. So it's not really that that's not the case that I see most often. Most often I see this subtlety where parents have this view of their kids that they're incapable. And that view gets played across in in very subtle ways that um, are also very insidious, but well-meaning, meaning um, the parents are um, talking to teachers, talking to parents of other friends, sort of paving the way for them. They're, they're sometimes calling their place of employment to talk to their boss. And they're having these conversations that are more well fit for the child to have in a way that they have to stand up for themselves. They have to learn something from not knowing what to say or how to say it. And that the essence of that struggle in those moments is what makes a person resilient. And so the, again, I don't love these terms, but it describes a certain pattern in our society from these kids who are so ill-equipped to launch into young adulthood. Some of the aspects of what these parents do is great. And one of these that I've seen with a lot of the parents that we work with is that they're really well attuned to their child. And I think historically earlier in our country, in the 50s, 60s, parents were not well attuned to their kids. And so they ruled with a heavy hand. So I would say one of the positives of what these parents come in with in their skill sets is a great ability to know how their kids are feeling. Unfortunately, then, sometimes they take action to relieve the the troubled feelings of their child instead of giving them support to face whatever they're facing that is eliciting those feelings. The other side of this is that sometimes parents 
are trying to rescue their child or make the, the path really easy for their child because they don't like how they are feeling. I mean, the parents are feeling really anxious or really sad or really down. And if their child was more successful in specific ways, then they wouldn't have to face their own feelings. So it's a key piece of the work that we do here at Open Skies, having the parents really look at their own process, their own emotions throughout of this, and that we found when they can become more resilient, their child follows suit. Yeah, there's so much you've covered. I want to unpack some of it because I, I really like what you're saying in regards to identifying some of the the strengths in terms of parents being attuned to their kids, that that's really important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so it's what I'm hearing is not to lose the attunement, the emotional right. attunement, but right. to balance that with healthy boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. It's good for them to struggle. It's good for them to space out on an assignment and lose credit for that and have to work harder later in the semester to bring their grades up and learn how to pull themselves up and get support from their friends and appropriate by their parents. It's all really good stuff if it's contextualized appropriately by the parents, right? And if the parents can retain their own sense of centeredness and emotional health so that they're either not relying on their kids to make them feel better or they are not depending on their kids to feel better so they feel better. Yeah, I can see what you're saying in terms of the importance of the parents working on their own skills and their right. own ability to, to regulate because mm -hmm. kids are attuned to their parents. Yes, absolutely. And if they're feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, mom doesn't think I can handle this. Yeah then they're probably going to internalize yes. that. Yes, absolutely. They will. How do you yeah. work on that with both the the students that you work with and the parents. Yeah, it's fantastic. This is really the, there's such a richness here in the work that we do because those dynamics become explicit in the letter writing and the conversations that we have. And it's interesting the, the change that happens over the course of a stay here in the beginning, as I mentioned, I would say the majority of the students that we work with will write an initial letter that has some iteration of manipulating, saying that I'm feeling worse than I did before and on and on and on to try to get their parents and tug on their heartstrings to relieve them from this stress, quote unquote, of being here. And by the time parents have come here, they're ready to hold the line that this is a good experience. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be hard. There's going to be struggle involved. And the parents that we work with are so dedicated in seeing this all the way through. So we sort of, we get through that phase parents hold the line. And then the, the richness of this process happens in the middle of the state where kids accept they have to be here. And by the end of that period of time, you know, after the kind of magic has happened, these kids are now confronting their parents about rescuing themselves, right? So on, I referenced this on a different podcast where we'll have a phone call and the child will be sharing something about the difficulty they're experiencing, whether it's going on to a therapeutic school or the loss of a, a romantic relationship that's happening because they've been gone or anything you can imagine. And the parents sort of do their normal thing, which is like, you know, uh, Carrie, it's like, you know, it, it, this is going to get better. And, uh, you know, this won't be forever. And after a few minutes, they're kind of like, Dad you can stop rescuing me now. And there's like this kind of awkward silence and the parents like often start laughing or something. And it's like, yeah, stop problem solving. Stop rescuing. Just tell them what you hear them saying and how you imagine they feel. And they do. And there's kind of this moment and maybe there's a tear shed or two from the child. And then we kind of move on. Right. And that's really, I think the birthplace of resilience that happens is that these kids are faced with difficult feelings 
They learn how to manage it themselves or with the appropriate support of others, and then they move on. And that's been, it sounds so simple and it is not that easy, um, but this is really the essence of what we do and how we coach the parents on how to let their kids have that experience. Yeah, I mean, as you're describing that, that sounds like a really empowering process for the yeah. adolescent yeah. to kind of you know, say, yeah. Hey, like I can handle this. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. And they're proud. What does happen between the events that lead to a child coming to open sky and then getting to them, getting to the place that you're describing? Like, what is it about the experience that's set up to build that resilience and build that awareness and build that sense of, Hey, I can handle these challenges of life myself. Well, one of the pillars of our program that I think is so instrumental into helping teens become emotionally resilient is what we call programmed unavoidable success, meaning our kids are going to be successful because we can shift the difficulty or the level of challenge that we bring to the students such that they are always successful. I just worked with a family who graduated last week with a student who had significant emotional struggles. And whenever he would experience a kind Kind of failure. He would um, figuratively beat himself up. So we were able to provide these kinds of challenges that were uh, customized to the level that he could really feel successful with. On the other side of things, sometimes we work with students who are very resilient, have extreme skill sets in physically or emotionally, and we can kind of turn up the heat in certain kind of challenges that we can offer them so that they really do feel like really pushed and challenged and then successful in a way that just feels so authentic to them and that they really feel like they've accomplished something. Now, it's not that we're lowering the bar per se, it's that we're customizing the kind of approach that we can give because um, every individual is so unique and we have to really customize what we do for each person. When I hear the, the term programmed unavoidable success, I translate that if I'm thinking as a parent, like, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to set my kid <laughs> right. up for programmed right. unavoidable success. Right. And that's why I'm right. going to talk to the teacher. And that's yes. why I'm doing the homework. Because yes. if I don't program that success, my kid's not going to feel it. So, <laughs> right, right. How, and, I, and I imagine you you know, work in a nuanced way with that mm -hmm. term with the guides and you know, the yeah. program at Open Sky. Right. But say more about that in terms of how to translate that that concept to a home environment. Yeah, it's it's every situation is so unique. So I think there are a few elements that uh, I really use that I think can be transferred into the home environment or really in any kind of environment. One piece is to really allow kids to and find the sweet spot for them where they are uncomfortable and not overwhelmed, right? And I think that when kids get overwhelmed to a degree that they are not taking the kind of action that they need to, then some kind of inserted action is warranted, right? So their grades are really slipping. They're not leaving their room for a number of days. They're not making the kinds of relationships that um, they we feel like they need to make to have to be healthy. Those kinds of pieces, and I think in those situations, uh, what's instrumental is getting an objective perspective or some outside support from a therapist or a program um, that can support and give some objective um, education and training to the child and to the family. And I think starting early with that kind of objective perspective and getting some help inserted into the equation so that you can get some kind of perspective that can start to shift things before they start to snowball. So that's one piece, I think, is being able to find the sweet spot of allowing them to be uncomfortable and then without removing the stimuli or out removing the quote-unquote boundary, whether that's an assignment or a job, finding out how 
we can offer, as parents can offer support to stay in the game and not leave the game per se, right? A lot of parents that we talk to have children that have been involved in some kind of sports activity. And as soon as their kids engaged some kind of difficulty or didn't like it, they ditched. And sometimes it's appropriate to say like, no, you got to stick with it. To the end of the semester, you have to stick with it and then you can make a choice, right? And it's tough because some kids take this into their own hands and ditch out themselves or whatnot. So it's, it's challenging there, but I think it's really about holding their feet, your kids' feet to the fire so that they can experience that success and not making it easier per se. But there's a real paradigm shift where we can offer more support without changing the boundary or without changing the expectation. And sometimes parents do the opposite where they change the expectation and then give more support so they feel successful. Yeah, that's really helpful to have you break that down. I mean, one of the things that comes up as you're talking about programmed unavoidable success is the idea that, well, to have success in the big picture, you also need to experience some failures along the way yes. because you got to stumble Absolutely. and learn how to pick yourself up right. to kind of like be on that road right. for success. If we exactly. only experience success, then that's not really success. Yeah, exactly. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> and then also I like what you're saying in terms of setting kids up for success, really looking at, okay, you know, here's the challenge that they have to overcome mm-hmm. and do they have the skills and the resources to be able to meet that challenge? Mm-hmm. And again, it's not so much about, I think, not wanting to face certain activities like sports or academics or whatever the challenge may be. It's about addressing the feeling that came up when they experienced some kind of dramatic failure. And that's where I think the real use of therapy comes into play or coaching or some kind of support where kids get support with the feelings that they're having around challenge, not the challenge itself, but trying to get drilled down to the source of what happened. Yeah, another thing I'm reflecting on is that if we're robbing the child of the experience of having that success, then that's, that's really, that is robbing them of an experience. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, I'm thinking of a, of a kid in the wilderness making a bow drill fire and just like the feeling of elation and success that can yeah. come with that, that you really can't yeah. get by somebody giving it to you. You have to like right. go right. through the challenge and hardship to have it really, you know, to have the the brightness in your eyes totally. and to, to feel that like, yes, I yeah. did it. Yeah. I'm thinking of one family that I remember that this child was trying so hard to start a fire by what we call bow drilling, which is essentially rubbing sticks together to start a fire. And they had been trying for like five weeks. And, you know, at the beginning, they weren't really trying. They didn't really, you know, they weren't putting in full effort and a, a week or two went by and then it became time that they couldn't move to the next phase until they got this solo fire, meaning they started a fire by themselves with their own set and uh, then we're able to move on to the next phase and we're pretty clear about no, you got to do this by yourself before you move forward so we're giving him lots of support but we weren't rescuing him and i remember talking so that's to, the programmed unavoidable success exactly it's like people working with him to make sure he had the the skills and resources exactly. and materials and kind of all of that exactly mm-hmm. and coaching in the moment as it was happening looking at his technique helping him fine-tune and also kind of getting stronger with the technique and i remember talking with this family every week and they were just waiting on bated breath did he get the fire did he get the fire and i was like nope they didn't they're like oh you know and i was like you guys this is a moment right look at how attached you are to them feeling good let them feel bad it's okay. It's actually okay that he felt devastated this week that he didn't get a fire. I'm okay with it. He's going to get it. I have no doubt in my mind. It may take a couple more weeks and he may spend a couple more weeks in this phase of the South, but that's okay. 
This is a pristine moment of life we're talking about. So notice your own attachment to him getting success, quote unquote, with his coal. When success is really this journey that he's on right now, he is building success. Success is actually happening right now in the struggle that he's experiencing. And so I was able to coach these parents and then, um, interpolate, meaning trace back into their history around how they had such a hard time whenever their child started to fail or started to look like they weren't going to be successful in something. And then the the impact of that kind of um, emotional responsibility that the child then felt to take care of his parents, which of course was completely subconscious. It wasn't named, but he could feel it. And then it made it even worse for him and, and thereby decreased, I would say, his chances of success because not only was was he dealing with his own emotions, but he was de- he was carrying his parents' emotions on top of it. Yeah, I'm going to disappoint you if I don't get it. And yes. then you can understand how the the feeling of like paralysis would come exactly. in. Exactly. It's like, I don't even want to try. Which just exacerbates his own fear around being successful, exacerbates his own shame when he's not successful because then he feels like he's let his parents down. It's a mess, right? So it was beautiful to be able to look at the anatomy of that dynamic in real time as it happened here. Yeah, and the other thing, as you're describing it, it's like, I imagine he felt a lot better about getting that coal, having had to work so hard for it oh rather than gosh. if you'd gotten it like on day two, then oh, it'd be man. like, okay, whatever. Like that wasn't that big a deal, but like yeah. something you really have to work for over yeah. time, the success is that much sweeter. Absolutely. I mean, he will never forget that moment for the rest of his life. And I, I, I get a little teary even thinking about it because I was fortunate to be out there when he got the call and I was in session with another um, student at the time. And I just hear this eruption of cheers and high fives and like dancing. And all of a sudden they're singing these <laughs> random pop songs. And I go back over and I was like, what happened? And they're like, he got a call. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. You know, and we're like dancing and high fives. And he was just on cloud nine, you know, and it carried it that I think that was really this is not hyperbole, like a life changing experience for him to work so hard for something that he felt like there was no chance that he could ever do it. Something he knew nothing about five weeks prior and to have this kind of success. And it's not even about the bow drilling or the fire itself. It's about that process. Yeah. I mean, as you're describing that true feeling of internal success and it's just such a beautiful description you give in terms of, um, giving us the, like what it actually looked like and sounded mm-hmm. like going back to the beginning, the topic we started with in terms of the the college admission scandal, like when those acceptance letters came in the mail, I can't imagine that there was a, a celebration <laughs> of the one that you just described. Right. Of like, yes, I did it. Yeah. Right. You or know? maybe a guilty one because exactly. they probably, the kids probably knew what their parents did. Right. And I can imagine if for the kids who didn't know that their parents did these things, how angry they probably are at their parents for, for robbing them of that opportunity to be successful. So what are some words of wisdom that you would have for, you know, just us culturally? I mean, I think that we are in a, cultural phase of kind of um, Mm -hmm. this rescuing way, you know, in terms of parenting. And that's probably part of what happens is like you look around and it's like, you know, there's a justification because it's like, well, everybody else is doing this. Everybody else is, you know, stepping in to help their kids in this way. So if I'm not doing it, then I'm doing a disservice to my kid by not keeping up. Yeah. So what, what are some parting words of advice you have for parenting in this day and age, 2019 and and forward. Yeah, I think number one, the, the biggest piece that rises above all um, 
work that parents could do to make a significant difference in their child's lives is to manage their own emotions, for parents to manage our own emotions. If we can start to become emotionally resilient ourselves and not feel like how our kids do or how our kids feel or how our kids perform is somehow a reflection on ourselves, our kids then become free to be whoever they are. I think that's the biggest piece. Number two is let the kids struggle sometimes, right? And then, and, and, and as a part of that, maybe ask the kids what they need to be successful in whatever they're doing, as opposed to taking action without letting them know. Let the kids feel that tension of responsibility. I remember when I was a kid, I remember this uh, vividly, I think I was in fifth grade, and I had this kind of shamed meltdown because I forgot an assignment in the school that was a few blocks from my home. It was a fifth grade elementary school. And I was I was freaking out because I forgot this assignment and it was going to be due the next day and I wasn't going to have it. My mom drove me up to the school and we started walking around, pounding on all the windows of the school to see if the janitor was in there to get my assignment. And unfortunately, I can say this now, the janitor was. I was able to get in and get the assignment and then able to do it. And in a way, I kind of, looking back in hindsight, I really wish they wouldn't have because I didn't really have to face myself. And this was a pattern with my own parents that they rescued me all the time. And I went into adulthood not resilient, not taking responsibility. And so I remember this moment where it's just like, man, I wish my mom would have been like, you know what? You forgot and it's okay. You'll miss that assignment and you'll just have to work harder, you know, next week. And what that would have done to me in terms of my nervous system, in terms of my own ability to be resilient. So it comes back to this point of like letting our kids fail sometimes and then giving them the support that's necessary and that's appropriate for them to work harder to make up for that. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I love you bringing it down to the personal example mm -hmm. and that's such a vivid story as well. Um, I was wondering what you thought about, you know, your mom driving you because on the one hand, like she didn't go in and knock for you, but she, she kind of gave you the, oh, she did. <laughs> she okay. Me. We knocked together and ultimately she was successful. And because of the janitor would have saw this kid rapping on a window, you know, so definitely sweet talk to janitor. And she was also a teacher. I mean, it's a whole thing, right? So <laughs> that's beautiful. I didn't know this about you, Jonathan, yes. that part of your expertise <laughs> yes. on this topic comes from having oh, been yes. one of those kids. I was one of those kids. Yes. And, and I describing what it was like um, to see your mom's reaction you know, and I think of like how much yeah. kids are looking to their parents for yeah. like, how should I respond? Yeah. Like, how do Absolutely. you feel about this? And yeah, if she, she kind out. of has a, a response of, you know what, Jonathan, yeah. you missed it. And yep. you know, it's going to be okay. And you're probably not going to forget it next time. Yep. She was so anxious in that moment. I can remember what her face looked like that she was so afraid because I was afraid and she was anxious because I was anxious and what it would have done if she would have said, you know what, it's going to be okay. I would have felt okay. Right. It and you probably wouldn't have forgotten your assignment at school again. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. Did you yep. forget your assignment in school again? I sure did. Okay. Many times. <laughs> well, what a great personal example. What great examples from the field. I love the takeaways of managing your emotions as parents. Yeah. Allowing for your kids to struggle. Yeah. And, and then I really like what you were speaking to in terms of engaging with your kids yeah. in terms of asking for what they need. Like, hey, this yeah. is the challenge and this is your challenge, like being in, you know, at the stage of life that you're in. Right. I can be there to support you through this challenge, but I'm not going to do it 
for yes. you because that would be robbing you of the experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, I, I in closing, I, I think what's really important for me to let parents know who are listening to this is that we are so with you in this process. You know, I, I over the 18 years that I've been doing this, I just have such a sensitivity and um, a profound empathy isn't even the right word um, for what parents face and what parents go through. And it's not easy and it doesn't seem simple when we're in the soup of the, our kids really struggling. So just to say that um, we get it as much as we can, and we're really here to support you all. Mm. Thank you, Jonathan. What a wonderful conversation. Agreed. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm. Thanks to today's guest, clinical therapist Jonathan Mitchell, for helping us understand the important connection between failure and resilience. To learn more about Jonathan's therapeutic approach with adolescent boys, check out his bio page or view his intro video at openskywilderness.com. Tune in to the next episode of Skylights on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts to learn more from the experts in the field of wilderness therapy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.